set your sail for the orange and blue sea. Yeah. Well, to say breathe in, breathe out. If your eyes want, pull your sleeves out. I see you, Tiny, over in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Breathe in, breathe out. If your eyes up, pull your sleeves out. Push a big truck, pull your keys out. Girls go wild and pull your D's out. Welcome to the Java Men Fighting Illini podcast presented by Big Banter Network. Today is Thursday, January 25th. This is Java Shaps. I've got Java Joe alongside with me. We've got some big games to talk about for the Illini. Most recently, we're a little depressed because we are coming off of a tough, tough overtime loss to the Kitty Cats in Evanston. Several Java men were in attendance for that game, so we'll we'll talk in detail about what our experience was in Welsh Ryan. We'll talk. Uh, we'll totally break down the details of that game. But first, we want to go back a little bit. We want to start on something positive, which is the wins that we had over Michigan and the win that we had over Rutgers, which was, of course, the return of the great Terrence Shannon. So, Joe, why don't you kick us off with your thoughts on those games? Well, Shaps usually lags gives me a, how, how, how are you boys doing? Um, so, first, how, how are you? I already said how we're doing. I'm not doing well. I'm not doing well. well you, but how are you, you doing? Didn't, you didn't ask me how I was doing. Um, Joe, how are you doing today? I am doing... I'm doing better. I'm I'm not as I'm I'm over the loss after last night, um, but I I looking forward. I was looking at the uh, schedule last night, this morning, trying to figure out what our final Big Ten record is going to be. But but yeah, feeling better, feeling good. Thursday night, rolling into Friday here soon. But uh, no, it was good. I think overall, uh, before we get to Northwestern, we unfortunately we did not get a chance to pod last week. Um, so I just want to hit on uh, quickly Michigan and Rutgers. Um, I think enough's all we really need to say about Michigan is um, Brad is Juwan's daddy, uh, and and we own <laughs> we own Michigan, uh, and I think that's all that's all we really need to say because it's it's frankly never close anymore when we play them. Um, and then it's actually yeah it's pretty wild yeah. what what's going on with with Juwan. <laughs> And Michigan, I, I, it's actually unbelievable how they just cannot beat us. And we have to mention as well, that was the best game of Coleman Hawkins' career, right? Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, you got to point that out. That's that's where it's like, oh, he he's an NBA player. It's That's the game. There's like maybe five games this year that people will point to. That'll be one of them. Where yeah, he, he, he's worth drafting. What did he have? He had 21, 10... Four assists, six steals. Um, we were dominant on the offensive glass. Michigan couldn't make a shot. But, yeah, it, that was the Coleman-Hawkins game for sure. I, I, a lot of people wanted me to issue a statement of apology after that game as the number one Coleman-Hawkins hater. Um, he had six told steals. Them, yeah. Yeah, unbelievable game from him. I can fully recognize that. Uh, we'll hold off until uh, March for my apology. 
<laughs> yeah, so far, now this is good too. So in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, the last eight games, what do you think Michigan's record is? Uh, this season? This season, their last eight games in basketball. They either have one win or zero wins. Wow. Is that right? That's impressive. Go with one or the other. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I th- did. They, I can't remember what happened in their game this week. I'm pretty sure they lost. So I think is that eight losses in a row for them? No, they they beat. They had a big Ohio State win. So they they they're one in seven in their last eight games. That includes a loss to McNeese State by eleven points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they stink. Yeah, they're not. Juwan's they're not very hard. good. They got. They got a – Purdue almost put a 100-burger on them in West Lafayette. They got to 99. Oh, yeah, that was – that. I, I was watching some of that game, and it was over in two seconds. But it was on the cock, so nobody saw it. I wonder – what's so funny is the only real good player on their team is the guy who's suspended for only the road games. <laughs> Doug McDaniel. Which is, which is pretty funny. <laughs> he's he's only suspended for the road games, but he can play in the home games. That's I've never heard of that. I've never heard of anyone doing that. It's it's pretty funny. It's amazing. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Let's let's move on to Rutgers. Um, I would just say yeah, Rutgers, we, not very good. Well, we got some good news, obviously, right in the in the just a couple days before that Rutgers game. Oh yeah, that was the big. We news. got a. We got the ruling uh, down in Champaign uh, that the Taron Shannon's preliminary injunction was granted, meaning he was eligible right away. And they even put in language there that basically said, you have to play him, too. Even, like, you can't just not play him. You can't just sit on the bench. You you have to treat him like every other player. They made the... the the ruling was intentionally broad. So, you know, anyone that is, like, blaming Underwood for for playing him still, the school's hands are completely tied. Like, if you have under, if you have any understanding of the law and what a judge's ruling means, <laughs> they have to play him. They don't have a choice in the matter unless they want to get sued again. But, so, like, I... I I just don't understand like the Twitter morons that have not like have no knowledge of the case whatsoever. And you don't even have to have knowledge of the case. You just have to understand what that judge's ruling was, which is you got to play him. So, I don't know. That was that was a tangent, but had to had to mention it. But that was great news obviously getting our All-American back. So, um and Rutgers stinks anyway, so it was a good warm-up for him. What, what did you think, Joe? Yeah, the the holier-than-holy media folks. And, yeah, I mean, if the university... Had, Gary Parrott. Yeah, it's... If the university had a choice and that they wouldn't have legal ramifications that could cost the university money and, and more issues... Of course, they would tell Underwood not to play him. You know, if if anything, it's made it pretty clear that 
the team would be fine without him. And now would they have a chance to win the Big Ten? Probably not. But we saw last night. I mean, last night was a big, you know, you needed really needed to win last night to have have a shot at the Big Ten championship. I mean, it's still out there, but, you know, they, they got a lot of ground to make up. But, yeah, I mean, I, I digress. I don't want to get into the Shannon stuff too much. Um, I, I think... Yeah, let's just let's just leave it at that. And then, in terms of like how he on the basketball court, how he played, I think it's clear he's he hasn't played you know organized basketball or team basketball or practice team basketball for a while. Uh, he's his shots off. His, he's he's not in rhythm. That said, like his what he brings to the Illini from a defensive perspective and from a fast break perspective was on full display against Rutgers. And that's that's great to see because we we, we did not have that that, was, that those both those things were missing big time when he was out. And my assumption is his his three point shot he'll get that back at some point. Um, he'll get his legs back. He'll get his leaping ability back in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and then we'll have another you know forty percent three point shooter to pair with Goody and watch out. Garrier starting to really hit hit it from three. Hawkins is hitting it from three, so it's you, you got you've got a bunch of guys, and then when you're four and your five or, or high percentage three point shooters, that spells bad news for opposing defenses. Uh, but we, but you know overall, like, I mean Rutgers just isn't very good. But it's you know the good sign is Illinois is pounding bad teams earlier. Like the, the the I think historically last year especially. We probably played bad teams too closely. Now we are starting to, you know, a sign of a good team is a team that can pound bad teams and also cover that spread by a good margin while we're at it. What what's been disappointing about Illinois this year is when they've when they've we'll get into this as we transition to the Northwest the Kitty Cat game. As we've been playing, and I, I hate to, I, I was trying to think of a positive spin in the text chain when people were calling out quad ones, but it, it is sort of indefensible right now how how poor the record is the last two years against quad ones. Last year's team just, frankly, just wasn't very good. I mean, the last year's team was clearly not a connected team. I don't really want to even talk about, like, combining last year and this year, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because the teams are completely different. The you know the the leaders are for the most part. There's a few different leaders. All the role players are different. So, but this year it's it's been disappointing that when we've stepped up in competition, uh, it's when we stepped up in competition, we just haven't shown up in those quad one games. Like we stuck around, I, and I think if we play Marquette. You know, if we play Marquette three, you know, two or three weeks later, we beat them at home. I don't think there, there's really a question because the team would have been gel, like gelling at that point. Damask people would be in their roles, um, but it it is dis- disappointing. What so the quad ones would be Northwestern, Tennessee, Marquette, and there's probably one other one, Purdue, that we've lost, and we've been in all of those games at, at some point. Until probably what four to eight minutes left in the second half, um, and then clearly through overtime and with Northwestern, and we just haven't really get the job done. So that that's that is a little bit concerning. 
is not having that. And it was so, I think we were pretty spoiled with IO because we had a clear closer. And I think, I think Terrence Shannon or Damask can be closers. It's just that we just got to figure that out. And we just haven't been in a lot of close games. And the ones we have been in, they just haven't worked out as much as, as um, they haven't, have not worked out. So anyways, thoughts? Yeah, it's... Well, first off, Rutgers uh, stings. But... <laughs> Cliff is good. The rest of the team is really, really bad. They like their guards are just so bad. <clears throat> but yeah, you're right. I, Shannon just he needs some more time, obviously, and and we've got luckily we've got plenty of time till March for him to to get his you know all American legs uh, back in him. But should we just leap into the the kitty cats? Yeah, let's jump in. What do you think? All right, so we're fresh off. The loss in Evanston, ninety-six to ninety-one, in overtime. Uh, very fun game. Uh, we had a good contingent of Java men in Evanston. We obviously went to Buff Joe's before the game and shoveled down some wings. There were tons of Illinois fans there. The wings were delicious. Uh, and then. There's a we realize there's a real lack of, of a bar scene uh, around the northwestern campus, which I guess is kind of predictable. But Evanston's like a big town, so we were a little surprised with that. We tried one bar and it was slammed; you couldn't even get in. So luckily, there was a Chili's right down the street. So we walked down the road to Chili's, uh, had some uh, rum and cokes. Uh, some guys ordered some sort of, uh, I think they had a drink called the Captain Castaway. Which, obviously, multiple people had to order. Multiple Java men had to order. Uh, I don't think the drink was as good as it sounded. It was like 90% pineapple juice, oh a little God. too on the sweet side. Um, but otherwise, uh, we had our run of the, the bar before the game. Then we headed over, uh, into the, uh, high school arena. I mean, college arena, um, that, uh, is called Welsh Ryan. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was a ruckus atmosphere. I got a, I mean, the, it is a, a nice stadium for a high school team. And the students get very, very loud in there, and it does keep all the noise in there. They got the smoke machines. They have the in-house DJ that does not stop playing music. Like, every whistle, it's like an NBA game, basically, where, like, they almost have music as the guys, like, as the team is dribbling the ball up the court. Like, that's what I was expecting. It was like being in a Bulls game. Um, but a lot of fun. All the... Uh, all the Illini stars were out at the game. We saw Dr. Dariush. We saw, uh, who else was there? Uh, the Wisher, Dave Wisnowski was there. Uh, I saw Josh Whitman uh, sitting behind the bench. Uh, I, walked, I walked past Joey Wagner on the concourse. 
So all the uh, all the stars were out for this one, which is typically the case for the games in Evanston. Was Bill Murray there? Uh, no, I didn't see Bill Murray uh, there. Um, mostly it was just a large contingent of, of North Shore, Northwestern fans. Um, I'm guessing and a lot of guessing Illinois Lud- fans. Ludacris didn't make the trip either. No, no Luda. That would have been cool if he came down from the rafters. Um, oh, they should totally get him to do that at State Farm. That'd be so sick. This was a fun game, though. I don't know. When you just look at, like, the shooting numbers, you would just think that Northwestern blew us away. Yeah. But somehow it was a close game, and I don't even – know how it was because it seemed like Northwestern was playing just out of their minds the whole time and every time I looked up at the scoreboard though we were down by like a basket or sometimes we would jump ahead but they would take it right back it was just back and forth the entire game in the first half the Cats made a lot of difficult twos I thought like those floaters that they shoot in the lane we were shooting floaters he shot like two from, or three from like right inside yes. the three-point line. Yeah. And anyone we were we were yeah. talking about it at at the game. We were like, Jesus Christ. So, yeah, and like they just weren't missing. And our our defense is kind of based on we're gonna make you shoot tough twos, and they just wouldn't miss. So, <clears throat> we were fortunate to be in the game. It was really uh, the offensive rebounds I thought that that kept this game close we were dominant on the glass we had so many I think we had 20 offensive rebounds Collins was getting so frustrated uh from the bench because he they could not get a rebound it was actually incredible how many opportunities we had second chance points and we also had the edge on free throws too 18 to 9 so those are the two things that really kept the game close but otherwise the Cats shot the lights out. They had uh, 17 points off of 10 turnovers, which 10 turnovers is not even that bad for us. And a lot of those came pretty late. And, and over time, we had a couple turnovers. We had 13 fast break points, and they had zero. That stack caught my eye. Yeah. Um, but obviously, they're not you know a, a running team, really. But the, the main thing was the shooting, right? We were... 40% on layups uh, and 46% from three. We shot better from three than we did on layups. But Northwestern shot 61% from three. So it's really hard to beat a team uh, when they're shooting 61% from three and you can't make a layup. But somehow we still had the ball <laughs> with a chance to win the game, which, which was really... Uh, kind of like a how did we even get here uh, moment. I, I thought we were going to win it right there. I thought Damas got a good look, got the matchup he wanted. And then in overtime, I don't know, things kind of fell apart. But uh, it was a fun environment for sure. It was nerve-wracking. Um, I lost my voice this morning. Uh, my voice was killing me <laughs> from yelling at yelling at the refs mostly. Uh I was sitting next to like one of these like metal like I was sitting right on the corner like I was at the last seat in our row up top and 
and like there was like a metal kind of like rafter next to me that was great for pounding because it kind of would give a little bit you know and give you that loud bang sound so like one time i hit it and etch and java etch looked down and just saw me it and just started cracking up uh so frustrating night being in person joe i want to know what it was like to watch on tv because you probably see a lot more stuff than we do for some reason northwestern shows like no replays also which was kind of strange but yeah, what was what was your perspective like, Joe? Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, it was back and forth. It was a highly entertaining game, back and forth. I, I, yes, I was. It seemed like it was never more than like a basket or two. Yeah, different. And so I was still over time. I was thinking about <laughs> that, and then I, as we're as I'm flipping through the box score here, in the game tracker. They went the only run, the only real run that was, you know, more than three or four points was Northwestern. We were up, went up five with two minutes left in the first half. And then they went on a 7-0 run. We just, like, crumbled. And we've been, we've been pretty good overall, like, closing out halves, I think. Opening and closing out halves. The first half. Uh, maybe not. Whatever. I don't know that reason. But regardless, they, they went on a 7-0 run. That was the only run of the game. Usually college basketball is full of runs, right? Momentum shifts and all of that. So I thought that that was that was unique to this game. And I thought for the most part, the refs let them play. Um, they called a couple ticky-tack fouls, but I mean, we've talked, we talked. The line, I, I mean, I think we got away with a few. I think Northwestern got away with a few more, but overall, like there was a, the game flowed really well. And they just were getting, they finally got a three to pop at the end of the second, or excuse me, at the end of the first half. We had been, to your point, holding them to twos. And it's almost like once they they figured that out, it's almost, it, they, they started running stuff to, you know, and they, got, they were getting open threes. We were on the switch defense. Underwood said the, the switch defense and the presser, he was pissed. He was pissed off in the presser. I don't know if he was pissed off because he's like, we blew this game. We had plenty of chances to win. I mean, he said, you know, they Illinois shot like something like 33% from inside the, like inside two feet of the basket, like something terrible. I don't know if he's pissed off because of that or if he's pissed off because someone asked him about the Terrence Shannon chance. I would hope he would be pissed about that because he's going to be asked about that the rest of the year. Um, but he was just pissed and short with like every reporter, every question. And even like during losses, sometimes he's usually pretty, you know, he's pretty congenial, you know, during those, those press conferences. So something, something pissed him off. I don't know if he was just pissed off at himself for, for having them run the switch defense. And it, it completely, it, it, it really just fell apart in the second half. They were just getting open shots. And, and the thing is when they were getting these open shots, at home, they've got you know four shooters, five yeah four shooters in their starting five that are that are knockdown shooters, at home, and it's like all and they, every time these guys shot, I was like oh this is going in and it, it was going in it was like I was readied myself for that most of the half when they were getting these open shots, and they were going in. Uh, 
in terms of things about the broadcast, it, I mean, it's nice because you see replays, right? You see the flagrant on, on Shannon. That was clearly a foul by the rule as a flagrant foul. I don't really, I don't really like the flagrants. I think it's, it's on there. They are unnecessary and give too much uh, momentum. Shout out to Jubes. too much momentum to the other team. They can get four, four or five point plays in one possession. I just, I don't think that's right unless it's like very egregious. Um, and if it's very egregious, that person should probably be thrown out of the game. And then other than that, um, I thought Hummel, I, I enjoy Hummel. People, some people don't, were, were saying, you know, had some disagreements with him. But I think overall Hummel's, he just, he just knows bad. He's like, oh, that's not a good shot. I don't know. I just like his approach to, you know, talking about the game. Um, he, and I can tell he's very well studied. He knows, he mentions things about players on the team, not just the stars for both sides that are like two, three, four, five games before. So he's like very well studied. Like the opposite of that would be like Tony Romo has been getting ripped on because people think he does like zero <laughs> prep for games. So that would be the opposite. So overall, I enjoyed the broadcast. The guys were getting into it. It was back and forth. It was just a weird, like Lags and I were talking before we, we, we rolled and it was, it's, it was, it's just a weird game. Like Northwestern, I mean, they played well. They shot the ball really well. We didn't. We need we need to play better defense, but I mean we averaged points per possession. I forget exactly what it was. Jamie sent it out on the text, but it was another highly efficient offensive game, and we missed all those those shots from two. So you really can't complain. Marcus Damas got a good shot at the end of the game. Um, he they wanted him to to post up and, and play from the middle of the court. Um, there was like some reasoning behind that. But I mean, he the ball needs to be in his hands, then he can pass or or shoot. And he was had Boo Booey, who was shorter than him. And Domask had an open shot, and like he makes he makes those shots. Not ninety five percent of the time, what what Brad said, but he makes those. I would say more often than not. Uh, and then, to your point, in overtime, things just you know when a team hits two threes in a row, and one of them's a and and one. It just things escalate and get out of hand quickly in an overtime. So I'm not. It, it, while this is, it, it's it's the best way to sum this game up is it was a missed opportunity for Illinois. And in order to win a Big Ten, you have a very you cannot miss many opportunities when you have a chance to win a game, and they've missed this opportunity. So it's some, and that's why I was looking at the schedule. Somewhere on the schedule. They have to make up for this this loss, and it's probably at Michigan. Um, where I'm just thinking of games where they might not may not be favored at or excuse me at Michigan State, at Wisconsin. Um, they're going to have to win at Wisconsin, and then they're going to have to beat Purdue at home. So they, 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 losing this game makes the Wisconsin and Purdue games non negotiable. That you have to win those probably, um, which is fine. I think you know at that point it's March. And hopefully the team will be, you know, Terrence Shannon will be have his legs under him again, and the team will be gelled. Yeah, I'm still more pissed off at the Maryland loss than yeah. than this loss because we, as we've seen in the Big Ten, you just you can't lose at home to bad teams. Like you just can't. You have to protect home court and then hope, uh, you know, you can 
get some wins on the road, but Northwestern has, has proven to be a completely different team at home unless they're playing Chicago State. But it, I even... Yeah, I, like, I'm looking back at the at the game tracker in overtime because, like, as you mentioned, it got out of hand so quickly, and, and I'm like, I remember us just bricking layups left and right at the start of overtime, and, and that's literally what happened. Like, the first possession, Justin Harmon gets blocked twice in a row. Like, he got blocked going for a layup, gets the ball back, gets blocked again, uh, and then on the next possession... Hawkins misses a layup. Quincy gets the offensive rebound, and then he misses the putback. Uh, then on the other end, Boo hits a three-pointer. Back on our end, Damask misses a layup. Then Barnheiser hits a three, and the game was over. So it was incredibly frustrating um, to watch that. I mean, yeah, my big thought of this game is that Northwestern can't really play any better than they did in this game. And we were still one layup away from beating them. Um, you know, even even when they beat Purdue at home, they shot 50% from three, which is obviously really good. But Purdue just played really bad in that game. Also, Purdue shot like 25% from three in that game, and it still went to overtime. And Northwestern uh, won in overtime. Um because Boo Booey is really freaking good at the end of games. But I'm not worried about the offense. The offense has proven to be really, really good and really, really efficient in this kind of new style uh, rec league that uh, P is calling it, uh, style of, of offense, where it's, it's pretty much just getting the matchup that you want and exploiting that and letting the player make the decision based on how the defense is reacting. I don't know what's going on with our defense. I'm hoping that once Shannon is fully integrated, he was he's mostly integrated because he was in the starting lineup, but hopefully he gets fully integrated soon and can fix our defense because like even against Rutgers, like Cliff Amori was was dominating. It's just their guards stink and can't make a shot. But Cliff who averages like 10 points a game, scored over 20 points, I think, in that game. Teams have figured out that you just have to go at Hawkins, especially if you have like a, a decent big guy. Because Hawkins, for how great he is defensively, he's so great because he can cover you know, all over the court. But when he's forced to take on a big guy one-on-one, -on -one, he basically just gets killed. Um. Well, and we well he and Brad doesn't go ahead. Sorry. And I was just gonna say, and and we don't help. Like we don't double team. That's not that's not Brad's defense. So this stuff is just gonna continue to happen. Cliff is gonna get twenty plus points. He's the only guy that can possibly beat you. Uh, we doubled, I think, like one time in that game, and Cliff threw the ball away. But that's the frustrating part is is the lack of adjustments so far into games brad said in the press conference he's taking 100 percent of the blame it's completely on me he said which is great that you know your coach is, is taking responsibility 
for it, but also like how many times have we heard this now? And in this game specifically against Northwestern, Joe, how much blame does Brad get? And uh, you know, as a disclaimer, uh, Joe is is on the peed, and I am on the side of this squad. So, Joe, how much blame do you give Brad for this game? Yeah, I'm probably the wrong person to ask that question, but <laughs> well, it's we, the, we we you know equal opportunity. The, uh, well, just real quick on the Hawkins, I I agree. He, I mean, clearly, it's just not where he's strong. Yeah, yeah. Like that's not where that's not why he's so good on. Defense. Yeah, yeah. Of course, it's, of course. You know. Clearly, he's he's a matchup nightmare on the offensive end. What makes him a matchup nightmare on the offensive end makes him a you know a matchup a tough matchup for us defensively on the block. Uh, he, however, he, he, you know, he can get right. Six steals in a game. I think, you know, we all know all this, right? He, but he, he also like has games where he can hold his own and like Amori in the first t- time around, like couldn't score on Hawkins, like even in the post. So I think that what, what sums up Hawkins for me is the fact that he, we had a chance to win the game is because Hawkins got switched to Bowie, made Bowie, Bowie tried to make moves, try to get around him, ended up passing it to Langboard with like five seconds left. Langboard ran in, uh, dribbled in, and shot a layup, but it was a contested, contested layup. Hawkins stayed with him the whole time and he sh- short armed it. And so that's like that, that was an amazing defensive sequence. By Hawkins, uh, so I, I want to because I want to. No, I'm not. The, I'm not worried yeah, about yeah. Hawkins at all. No. Like that was just a, a statement more of the overall defense and like what what we're gonna do about it. And it and it's not just like Hawkins and and Big Cliff. It's it's in this game. It's it's Boo, and it's 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 just such a pattern of one player, you know, dominating us essentially. Um, yeah. So I, I'm just curious, like, yeah. is is that on Brad because he's not changing anything? And like, how often can he just say, like, yeah, that's on me. We didn't practice this, or we didn't expect this. What I don't get about that is, you have, like, you're not a spectator, Brad. You're you're the coach on the sideline. You know, I'm sitting in the stands. And I can see what's going on, that whatever we're doing at the moment is not working. But I'm a spectator. I, I don't control anything in the game. He's the coach. He's on the sideline. He's telling guys what to do. So I don't understand why, like, after the fact, he can admit, like, yeah, I screwed up. But it doesn't really help us after the fact. Yeah, boo, yeah. so boo-booey. And that's what's so frustrating. Yeah. Is why doesn't he change in game? Yeah, I don't think for this particular game it is a fair assessment on, on the on the adjustments because Boo Booey had what do you have, forty against Purdue? Um something something crazy like that. Uh he had so he's just a he's just a, a first team all Big Ten player. And some guys are just you know, some guys are just really good. And he is, but they also ran the same play over and over yeah. and over, which was whoever, 
you know, Goody is guarding, or Damask is guarding, they're gonna set a screen, we're gonna switch it, and then Boob is just gonna go. Well, and they're a really good shooting team, so like it's it's hard to help. But there's other things that you can do, like not switch every time. Give them different looks, maybe like trap when that screen comes. Like try to get the ball out of his hand. I'm just saying there's other things you can do instead of just watching the same thing happen over and over and over. So um yeah th- that's the part that i don't get yeah i think so he so he did make an adjustment he he took he took goody out of the game and put Harmon in and so that was that was the adjustment was we're gonna play Harmon, and we feel confident because the other guys were going right so the other guys the other guys were going so i think having any sort of double team uh, wouldn't work in this situation. He, t- they, they, you can make the. I, I could see like maybe he took out Hart or um, Goody. Uh, you know, two one or two possessions too late. But I mean, I watched the game. I mean, I I don't think Damas. I mean, Damas was on him enough to where when he missed shots too. So I don't. It, it was the only time it was clear. I mean, we talked about Shannon at you know Shannon at the end of the game got beat by him. Yep. I mean, it, it, at some point you have to, you have to make stops, and like they they did stop him. He he only shot fifty, you know, he shot fifty percent, um, so he was efficient, but not, you know, not like not as efficient as he was against you know Purdue and some other teams. He took twenty five shots to score twenty nine points, and so I, I the the play the the call to me was he Brad tried to switch. He made a comment that he they switched that tried to show him something different going into the game and it worked in the first half. And then in the second half it didn't work. And his adjustment was, okay, this isn't working. I'm gonna get Goody out of the game and put Harmon in. That clearly was the wrong decision because Harmon didn't play well except for making that shot at the end. Rogers, I don't know why Rogers wasn't playing. Rodgers played more in the first half, and we had, I don't know if there's a correlation there, but Rodgers plays more in the first half, and we gave up less points in the first half. Probably not switching would have been the right move, but the those whole, I forget exactly what they call it, like the curl, those screens, I find it hard to believe that the guys were going to get around those screens without switching. Nicholson also sets illegal screens almost every single time and, and never gets called that's that was also extremely frustrating uh to watch but yeah the last point i had was the tie thing too like i don't know why he wasn't getting in towards the end of the game like i would have gone offense defense with Ty and goody or or even damask um we had timeouts that were being used at the end of the game like Ty could have easily been put out there on that last possession to help out with boo it's just another guy that's like more capable on defense not to mention ty is probably the second best rebounder on the team uh so i i just think like he he brings so much value even if he's limited offensively um i think he's so valuable defensively and and rebounding that he's not like he's still you know, a, a positive to have out there in, 
in close games like that when like you're fighting for loose balls and stuff and he always seems to come away with that so agreed um all right any last uh any last thoughts on the uh the kitty cats game no let's, let's should we um well do you want to do a, a plank a captain and, and walk the plank we can do that oh i do have to read this as well uh from our, our stat boy behind the glass wanted us to mention that Illinois is number 332 in the country in uh, the luck metric on Ken Palm, um, which is obviously like near the bottom of the entire country. <clears throat> um, it's just a, you know, it is what it is, but and, and you could say that Illinois needs to be better at closing out games, and they do. But also it seems like just every bounce is kind of not going their way in these close games. And that metric indicates you're actually better than what your record shows you are. Um, and for a comparison, and we're number 10 in Ken Palm, too, even after that loss. Uh, Northwestern, for comparison is uh, number 56 in Ken Palm, and their luck metric is 49th in the country. So, like, it just, you can say you make your own luck or whatever, but also that stuff, like, tends to even out, uh, you know, over the course of a season. Um, and Northwestern right now, like, at, you know, they're, they're getting a lot of great bounces in their way in, in Illinois has been on the short end of uh, a lot of those late game bounces so um okay joe who is your captain of the ship for this week all right i'm gonna do this quickly um, i'm gonna go ahead with uh coleman hawkins captain of the ship i think he's been i i guess i'd Maybe like between Michigan, Rutgers, Northwestern, I just think he's he's showing his value. Um, double doubles, assists, steals. He's got he's got it going. Some still he sometimes freaks out, but I mean I think that's just who he is. And I think Brad does a good <laughs> job of keeping that under control. It's affecting him a lot less. I feel like yeah, you know, like he's still kind of a whiny guy out there, but but it's not in acting his play as much as it used to uh yeah much much deserved especially after the michigan game it's it's uh, becoming okay. harder and harder to find a player to walk the plank for my walk the plank i'm gonna go with long pause I can't find an Illini to walk the plank. I just can't. I just can't do. I just can't do it. I think it's more and more that they're all playing. I'm not gonna. They're all playing. That I'm. This is why I'm happy. There's no one that's like having like horrible, horrible games. So for walk the plank, I'm gonna go on the northwestern side, and I'm gonna go with Ty Berry or uh, what's his name? Ty yeah, Ty Berry. Um, you know, yelling at Harmon at the after the game's over. Whatever, probably sour sour grapes a little bit on the loss, but show some class. You won the game, like celebrate with your team, yell into the crowd, like yelling it, like dude, we beat the shit out of you by thirty points. <laughs> you guys are only good at home. 
you know, your team's going to, yeah. So let's just say, I think because of that, Illinois is going to look forward to, to playing uh, the Kitty Cats in the Big Ten tournament. And they won't have their, you know, the 500, 600 people that are in that high school gym behind them. Should we? Uh, All right. Should, when it's it, a fair pick. Should we move on to uh, let's 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 enough of, uh, enough of this game. I'm sick and tired of talking about it. Should we move on to, to yeah. Indiana? Let's do an Indiana preview. Uh, so we got them on Saturday afternoon. <clears throat> They're sixth in the Big Ten. They're a real kind of schizo team. It's like. They kind of, they kind of beat who they're supposed to beat, you know. But anytime they go up against a better team, it, this kind of sounds like Illinois now. Uh, they, they, they stumble. They, they really, like, they're just kind of perfectly in the middle of the Big Ten. They have a lot of good players, but they're all very young. And they have a very good front court. I think they're the, the tallest team in the Big Ten, actually. So it's it, it's a different matchup for us. They're, I think they're the only team in the Big Ten that's, that's bigger than us um, on average. Uh, so uh, they're coming off of losses to Purdue and Wisconsin, and now they got us. So that's a tough stretch for Indiana. They play the, the top three teams in the Big Ten all in a row. <clears throat> Um, so th- they've got to be uh, pretty beat up, and now they got to come into Champaign on Saturday afternoon to take on Illinois. Uh, it yeah, it's really kind of about their front court. Malik Renu is is a really talented player that decided to stick around. Um, they've had yeah, our stat boy mentions that Indiana's had uh, uh, over a week off. Um, uh, since their last game, so they they are coming in rested, where we have a a fairly quick turnaround. Luckily, we didn't have to travel far um, for the Northwestern game. Uh, but yeah, certainly not someone we can take lightly because they're going to put the pressure on us at the rim, especially. Um, Kalel Ware too is a really talented uh, sophomore for them, um, seven feet tall. And uh, and he can really get going. So it's it's going to be a tough matchup because they've kind of got those two big guys down low. Uh, Trey Galloway is the experienced wing on their team who kind of does a little bit of everything for them. Sometimes he sort of sits back and, it, and is not very aggressive. But when he gets going, that's when that's when Indiana kind of like really uh, picks it up as a team. I kind of think he's like the engine for them Xavier Johnson has kind of had like a weird situation this season like he was hurt for a while and then he got kicked out of a game uh not long back so then Woodson like benched him and ever since then he's kind of been in this weird place where he's like he's not playing as much as he usually does and he's kind of like been picking up some cheap shot fouls too so I, I don't know what's going on with him because otherwise and their guard situation is pretty bad um, they play this this little freshman guard uh, Gabe Cups uh, 
who is is not good uh to to put lightly um and they they have to rely on him to to play big minutes sometimes um <clears throat> I, I i went back and i think this was actually when i was on i went on the big 10 huddle show a couple weeks ago following an indian and, and we were talking about indiana's most recent game against it was minnesota at the time and their guard gabe cups he played 30 minutes and scored zero points Wow. So yeah, so like when he's out there, you don't have to you don't have to worry about this guy very much. It's it's really the front court matchup. Um, our guards are we're gonna have to knock down shots, it because it's it's gonna be tough. Um, like usually we're dominating on the glass against most teams. This might be a situation where uh, we're actually at the disadvantage in the front court um so it'll be interesting to see you know our our game plan for uh, especially on the defensive end um for for trying to slow down those big guys because like we said hawkins can't do it on his own down there um we will obviously make those guys work hard on the other end of the floor and we'll be efficient offensively we'll be able to score on them um have you gotten a chance to uh, to look into this game, Joe? I'm gonna look and see where Indiana uh, is coming in on Ken Palm. Yeah, they're low on Ken Palm. This is gonna be, I thought so, about a 15 point spread, right around a 15 point spread. Wait, you think it'll be that big? Yeah, I do. They, I mean, they by all the good teams that they've played on the road, they've lost by between. You know, ten and twenty points. Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be that big, but that's I mean, that's a lot of points. I don't, I don't know if I would, I would take. I mean, I think Illinois wins by double digits, but I don't, I don't know if they're gonna win by. You know, I think they they'll probably win somewhere between ten and fifteen. Um, it, it should, yeah. Indiana's number ninety four in Ken Palm, and this actually is kind of funny. Their luck metric is twelve. They're twelfth in the country in luck, so they're actually worse than what their record shows them to be. Because, like I said, I think it's it's a lot of like just beating up on the really bad teams, uh, and then struggling against everyone else, not really getting any marquee wins, um, and and really really struggling uh, on the road. Trey Galloway feels like a. Marcus Damask is an A version. Trey Galloway is like a C version. That's what he feels like, right? I mean, he's playing. He, yeah. he and where the, the 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 two best players on that team. It, it feels like, or no, maybe not. Where Renew? I think Renew. I think Malik Renew yeah. is is their their best player, most consistent. Where is really really talented, and like will probably be in the NBA next year, just because of of like how huge he is and how long and, and skilled he is but like he just he doesn't really bring the effort you know every game um and and half the games it just looks like they're they're kind of checked out and like woodson kind of gives up on them it's i don't know woodson's it's it it'll be interesting to kind of follow 
that program just because like Woodson came in and they were pretty good last year, but they obviously lost uh, Trace Jackson Davis, who was there forever, and uh, and Jalen Hood. Uh, Shafino was down was was only a, a one and done, and it looks like um, you know some of these guys are probably going to be gone after this season as well. And I think Woodson's like always going to get some talented players in there, but like I it just doesn't seem like he's going to really build like a consistent winner because he's he's going to have guys like if he he's get he's going to get like a five star freshman probably like every year and. He's only going to be there for one season, you know. Um, yeah, renew- like the the Trey Galloways and Xavier Johnsons, like, you know, the, those guys are, you know, becoming more rare. Yeah, renew renew might give us some trouble. He's yeah, he's, he's, he's bigger. He's, he's bigger than Garrier <laughs> by a few inches, yep. and so I could see him putting up. I could see us running a running a defense to where no don't let anyone else beat you but him and just say like Gary Air like you got to bring your A game defensively cuz we're not going to help because you know we don't want anyone else to like get hot because the last thing we need is like some of their shooters who aren't haven't historically been good shooters to to you know get get that feeling hit a couple in a row that said if halftime adjustments need to be made and we need to switch up our defense on him, then we need to do it. But other than that, I don't I don't see anyone else giving us an issue. I mean, if, if Illinois gets out, we should be able to run on this team. They're they're a big team. If we can get out in transition, this is a good feels like a good game for Terrence Shannon to start getting right again and just keep running the ball, get open, get offensive. I don't know if we'll be able to get as many offensive rebounds, but. Um, right. Get out and transition. Get guys open in, in space with threes and, and hit them. I think we'll be in a good spot. This is probably a a, a Terrence. Shane. This is probably a very good offensive game for Coleman Hawkins too. It should be. Yeah. My only concern is is him getting in foul trouble, like with, yeah. with these big guys. Um, you know, trying to get physical and 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 Woodson. I mean, he is a good coach, but. So like they they'll probably you know try to attack Hawkins and 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 try to put the pressure on and be physical and all that. Um, so like the discrepancy you know between the two teams seems really large, but it's it's also just one of those games where like things could kind of go weird um, if we don't take care of business. Um, you know, we might see Dane get a few extra minutes. He got, a, I think, a minute 19 or something in the Northwestern game. Uh, maybe Dane comes in and, and literally just follows those guys. I, I honestly wouldn't mind <laughs> seeing that if Dane uh, can try to pick up a couple fouls on them on the offensive end and just follow the crap out of, of those guys a, a couple times. I'd love to see Dane be more aggressive sometimes because we know he's not going to play more than four minutes, five minutes at the most. Um, but credit to Brad for realizing that we are much worse with Dane on the floor. So keeping his minutes limited uh, is usually a good thing. So 
Um, your predictions. All right. Yeah, what's the what's the prediction? So we're you're thinking a, a double digit spread. I could I could see that. I don't know if it'll be, you know, fifteen, maybe more like twelve. Um, <clears throat> but I think either way, if we can get off to a good start, and uh, and and just kind of keep them at a distance, they'll go on a run for sure. Um, and and we tend to struggle in that like middle part of games uh but if we can if we can keep a lead you know going into the to the final 10 minutes i think indiana will tend to just sort of roll over on the road um and that's what we've seen them kind of do so uh so i'll go with uh 86 to to 72 win for the Illini. Nice. I'm going I'm going 80 85 Okay. It's pretty close. Yeah. Right in that ballpark there. I I want to see if our defense can can uh, you know, take a take a step forward. I know it's a quick turnaround off uh, the Northwestern game and, and Indiana's coming in rested but um, hopefully a good bounce back uh, for the boys here so alright good show Joe yes yeah, it's good let's get let's get a W get back get back on the road or get back on the, the winning course and rattle off three or four in a row and go from there yes we're we're gonna end the show on a positive uh, we tend to which tends to happen on these on these podcasts is where we we start off the show pretty frustrated. We we get all our uh, our grievances out, uh, and then we we go into the next game uh, with a positive mental attitude, um, as as Illini fans tend to do. So we're moving on. We are uh, we're ready for the next big win, and really. We're just kind of waiting until March. That's it for uh, today's show. We'll uh, we'll catch you next time on the Java Men Fighting Illini podcast. ILL. I and I. Yeah. It's time to walk the plank.